You're listening to the Detroit is Different After Dark Podcast Network. If you visit Detroit, if you are from Detroit, or if you live in Detroit, you never knew all this culture was alive and thriving here. This is the Detroit is Different Festival. October 24th through October 27th, join us at the inaugural Detroit is Different Festival at the Andy Arts, 3000 Finkel Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, 48238. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com different.com and get your tickets today all right we are back in full effect for f what you heard the podcast where we talk a whole lot about what you need from an insider's perspective independent music creating independent music or being connected to the independent music industry this is your host Kari frazier here with my man uncle p uncle p how you feeling what's good with you bro you all right Man, everything is cool, man. Getting ready for this Detroit is Different Festival. Uh, we kind of getting into the ninth inning of how things are coming along. And we're looking forward to having a lot of people come by, experience what Detroit is Different is. We'll have a very special podcast that I see you and Sabrina holding down and interviewing somebody. We don't even know who that guest will be, but somebody special. For that Sunday show where it's going to be a world of podcasts and uh, that'll be an opportunity for you to find out. Is that what we can expect? A gang of podcasts, a gang of new information, new thoughts, new ideas from Mm -hmm. different people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting event in the sense of just like the cross sections of cultures and subcultures that exist and how it all started. And music was kind of my first love into a lot of this in connecting with i guess the term they use now storytelling okay how storytelling moves and you know now it's gone into many different things as it kind of goes into the topic of today's show which is our favorite gear and you were talking like man as much experience as you and i have when it comes to being in a recording studio traditionally a lot of the gear we use now is not necessarily inside a recording studio. It's different type of gear that accent, that go into different aspects of storytelling or, or messaging or media itself than just the traditional microphone, mixer, and whatever recording device you have that we grew up on when we were cutting our teeth. Now you just blew the title man. of this topic just out the dang water when you put yeah. it like that, bro. So yeah. um, let me ask you this. With you um, having a network of various podcasts, mm-hmm. how have you seen that as a tool of this new millennium? Okay, well, a lot of different things. Uh, when I look at and recognize in these coming episodes, I was thinking because I got to think through like, man, what's, what's something else to explore? Putting myself back in the shoes of an artist or a producer, but just a person that wants to get music out here. Information moves differently. So connecting to the podcasters has been just like connecting with music artists in a lot of ways okay. because it's still, they still have something creative that they want to reach masses and then the process of building and developing that and how they go about delivering that. Mm. It's been, it's been like running 
a record label, even though it's a podcast network in right. some ways. Uh, okay. And I would say, you know, that's where this festival really helps. And it helps bring like a clearing call or like a, a call to action for everybody collectively to kind of see everyone else and then be on our P's and Q's because I'm connected to so many different podcasts uh, directly like this one and Claire Huxtable, Detroit is different, obviously, directly. So it will also be an opportunity for me to reestablish those brands, keep those seeds in the ground, and continue to watch them grow. Uh, I think that the tool itself is the word of mouth. Okay. Uh, and growing that word of mouth collectively as these people galvanize and like many things. It's going to be a growing work in progress. So how does a artist per se use this podcast tool for their career? Well, it depends on what type of artist, but let's just go, let's just go a podcaster themselves. You can really parlay a lot of things from this podcasting if you approach it right. And a lot of it goes into a lot of our past episodes. It's really about your research and how you know who you want to approach. With the podcast, it gives you an opportunity now to have a platform where you really can interview and introduce yourself to a lot of people that you never would have had an opportunity to meet from before. So right. let's say that you're interested in well, something that's... Let's say you're interested in photography and you start a podcast about photography. Now you have an opportunity and an inroad to interview some of the photographers that you want to know or possibly people, representatives from Canon or Nikon, like uh, companies that create cameras or lenses and things like that. You right. have an inroad where you're separating who you are as a person with a media tool to engage others. And sometimes it's not even just an interview. Sometimes it can just be a listener request. Right. Uh, one of the unique podcasts connected with the network is Unicorns Are Real, which are millennial artists, about 22, 23, Asia and Aaron have grown the hell out of their podcast audience to a point where last year when they started, like, here's a classic example. Last year when they started, they were like, man, it'd be great to be a part of this festival. We just want to be able to get some tickets, and it's so cool. And this year, they were podcasting live from the festival. Okay. Next year, like I told them, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe have a seat at the table and helping curate what artists will be performing and so forth and so on. Right. And they're going to facilitate a discussion this week on their podcast recording about uh, midnight murals or, or as they say Eastern Market After Dark which is an right. event here in the city of Detroit just happened this past weekend right yeah. okay yeah. where as visual artists they're getting different takes on like how they feel about it uh, if it's helping art if it's hurting art in the city of Detroit but they're going to do a panel discussion and Asia reached out to the organizers of the Eastern Market event and directly told them, hey, if you want an opportunity to come, you can come check out. These are going to be the artists that are going to be on the panel or you can just come listen. I will I will send you a link. So that gives you an opportunity to have an inroad where you may never have had that inroad without that platform. Right, 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 right. Okay. You know, okay. so if you use it correctly, 
then it can work. Or I guess I shouldn't say correctly because even incorrect can teach you a lesson where that is correct. So if you have a plan, sound like Sabrina, if you have a plan and you work that plan, it can be very, very beneficial. Got you. Got you. Got you. That's mm-hmm. what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. So when we talk about tools, I guess that state keeps us right in the mix of this podcasting world. Uh, I use a couple of different tools uh, when it comes to podcasting. Uh, some of it is software itself. Um, I use a task cam recorder. It is a, let's see, I'm about to sitting up here looking at the equipment and that's sometimes what I do. I'll buy equipment just based on when I'm looking at the specs, but this is a it's a 24SD. A 24SD digital porter studio. Digital porter studio meaning that it uses an SD card with 24 different tracks to record audio. Uh, it has eight different XLR, which is microphone cable inputs. High end. Yeah, yeah. high end, high end, because I guess you could transfer it. But uh, this is what I record the podcast onto and what most of the podcasts are recorded onto connected to Detroit is different. We have two of these boards. One is for when we go on location and we record live, and one stays in this studio. The reason we use this board and this is like a lesson one-on-one for people that know audio, if you, if you wonder about audio, is the home. This home was a home that was retrofitted over time, so it ha- does not have ground securely, and it loses audio from time to time if I use computer recording. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, why don't you record on a computer that are more familiar with computer recording? But that's why I use this old-school almost like digital recorder station. Right, uh, right, and right. It it works well. It's a it it gives me an SD card, but it also puts another process in the processing of making a podcast because instead of going straight to a computer, now we have to take from an SD card and dump over to the computer and I use Adobe Audition to actually edit and in editing the podcast, sometimes I'll do a little bit of compression. It's a series of plugins that I bought from Waves. Waves is a, for years, I, I would say like a, a, a plugin is a fancier way, or I guess you would say an effect, an effect processing company that offers different audio effects to add on to many different forms of audio softwares. And I use some effects plugins from Waves. I will also use some preset plugins from Adobe Audition and I will bounce over or, or transition the raw audio form from the SD card over to an MP3 and upload those MP3s on so you can enjoy podcasts like ours. Right. That is the process of the podcasting. And this is some of my favorite gear as of right now. Uh, when I think about buying gear, I also think of usability uh, and the utility of it. Uh, I I know that the podcast studio does not necessarily always have engineers. Every podcast doesn't have engineers. Some of it, people are self-teaching. So I, I wanted to buy some equipment that is easy to use and you can hit like a relatively low learner curve. And when I think of most equipment, that's what I like to use. I do have, over time, 
you know, I've bought some very high end equipment and usually the high end equipment, uh, because I need other people to assist and whatever I do technically can be more of a headache, if anything, mm, you know, okay, okay. I, I look at, you know, a low learner's curve and that low learner's curve, a lot of YouTube tutorial videos, uh, Man, things that YouTube. are, oh, talk about it, <laughs> things that don't cost so much money. So I, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, things that can be very, uh, very much manipulated and people can get their hands on and use when I think of buying equipment, especially when it comes to audio equipment. Right, uh, right. I have a series of, actually, these are dynamic microphones. Uh, dynamic microphones are usually the microphones people use to record, to perform with. But uh, if you know anything about audio, you know, dynamic microphones offer a lot of, when I say like they, the, you have to speak directly into a dynamic microphone. Right, right, so right. it isolates a lot of other sound. Uh, I, these are Shure 58s, I believe. I, I really like the Shure microphone brand uh, of microphone brands. I've trusted Sure the most. I've tried other microphone brands over time. And sometimes, you know, I intentionally buy like, you know, a cheaper microphone or whatever. But for the most part, I trust Sure. They get them done. They dependable. Yeah. Dependable. And when it comes to cable, I, I cut corners when it comes to cable. I buy, I have Hosa. these different color. Yeah. <laughs> I buy these different color cables so that I kind of know what microphone is what microphone. Right. And they right. look aesthetically pleasing. But as far as the durability, uh, as these, you know, these cables in the, in the podcast studio are always stepped on or tangled up and stuff like that. I'm sure that, you know, maybe like a year and a half, you know, your microphone cables kind of are good as good as the usage and nothing's worse than uh, when a microphone cable goes bad on you and you're wondering what and how, because that's happened to me many times over time. Right. So, um, right. but high end cables and, and that's another one of those things where if, if I were back into heavy recording studio mode definitely uh, that was a primary revenue stream then yeah i would spend some extra money on like some solid monster you know uh, some solid monster maybe threaded ribbon based cabling but for what i need to do with podcasting i I don't mind cutting the corner and buying some cheaper microphone no man it sounds good and it works yeah, so that's some of my favorite gear. I'm going to come back to, because I got other gear I use all the time. As you and I, it, it, the, when you start down this journey, you look up and you'll end up buying so much gear over time that, you know, we all have probably, you know, a, a, a cemetery worth of stuff in our basement or closet or attic of like, what was this and when did I buy this? Let me... um. One of my best purchases in mm-hmm. the world recently, and, and they're not nothing new, but um, it's still a debate on them. Uh, with me being a DJ too by trade, mm-hmm. um, the DJ controller huh. was one of my best purchases over the last probably five years mm-hmm. um, for the DJ game. If people don't, if you don't know what a DJ controller is, a DJ controller takes the place of you having your two turntables and a mixer. Mm. And it basically puts it all together in one nice little compact 
contraption that allows you to do the same thing with something that'll probably weigh less than 10, 15 pounds and Mm -hmm. you having to carry everything. Um, It really made it very convenient. Um, Gone were the days that I had to um, carry crates and crates of records Yeah, because the thing about the DJ controller, it works hand in hand with um, something that's probably one of the biggest tools in the industry, the computer. In this case, I'm speaking on a laptop computer. Mm-hmm. Um, the laptop computer is what holds um, my hundreds of thousands of musical pieces, and um, it works hand-in-hand with the DJ controller and with the turn of a knob and me properly placing music in folders that makes it easy for me to find what I'm looking for, I can pretty much find any song I need within, you know, 10 seconds pretty much by now, knowing my catalog. Now, let me ask you this. So you're not pulling from the Internet most times? Well, that's something that they just now started integrating in DJ controllers. Certain DJ manufacturers, um, I use Serato. Mm-hmm. Serato is working now hand in hand with Title, mm-hmm. and you can pull from the internet to get those songs. Um, in this digital age, it is getting a little more difficult for me on kind of like the old school end actually having files mm-hmm. because artists aren't necessarily making these files available. You know, everybody is going straight to streaming. Yeah. So, you know, in some instances, it makes what um, I have to do challenging. But me personally, I have not moved over to that yet because I I don't want to be in the middle of a party and the Internet makes the record skip. Yeah. You know, I, I just haven't come to trust it. At the same time, I have to admit, I haven't tried it. Okay, so So it's it's one of those things where it may transition, but we're also still living with the reality of we know Wi-Fi is more reliable in some places than other places. Exactly, but I will say that I wouldn't be surprised to say if this is where it's going totally. Well, I can see that, but also this is, and I guess I'm sounding like the old head here too, but... I've been in these different events and stuff because sometimes I need Wi-Fi for some of the other production work I do. And sometimes the place where a person wants to do the production is in the basement right? or in a space where the signal doesn't come through. Right. Uh, I had a very big event uh, at, a, at, at a place this, this past spring and the Wi-Fi was just dropping out left and right. And it was... It was bad. Yeah. And I was relying on, okay, this is a college. I assume Wi-Fi will be good. That assumption can't necessarily be made. Mm -mm. You never know know what the conditions are, where you're going to be. I mean, what else is pulling from that that, same internet? That is the other reality because I think that's what caused the challenge. It's that, you know, when you were on a college campus and you had this conference where 300 people will be there and all of them are using the same signal, then how good do you expect the signal to be? Right. And are they going to run a dedicated line for this person that's a tech? Eh, Probably not. And I'm probably going to give you direct access under that premise because now you're putting more in the to-do of the production itself right 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 and 
we just haven't gotten to a point where Wi-Fi is universally, you know. Exactly. There. If I can hardwire to something, that's pretty much um, what it is that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, that, that controller has changed some things, even okay. like with the artist-DJ relationship. Um, it used to be a big deal for the DJ to go on tour with the artist and you got to lug your 1200s and your DJ mixer and, Mm -hmm. you know, a small thing of crates. And now, you know, your DJ can have everything that's needed for your show in his backpack. That's a good thing. You know, they can change the show on the fly. You That's know, a good thing. Um, it it the way these controllers are too. Now you have pads on them that you can assign different sounds to the pad. You can mm-hmm. assign sound effects, songs, everything. You can assign instruments. So mm-hmm. if your DJ is also a producer. You know, within your set, your 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 DJ can go live hitting some drums and y'all go into some old school impromptu, you know, mm-hmm. MC in the beat. You know, it, it, it just offers so much more, um, even in displaying your music. You know, sometimes artists have the opportunity, you know, to speak or talk or, or display their things. That DJ controller can be your best friend. It's very simple to use. So it, it more so is triggering media itself. Exactly. More exactly. so than necessarily just... A, a turntable limits you obviously right. to whatever the CD or the vinyl or right. whatever. Right. You know, I've used it um, doing video gigs. Mm. If you have the videos on your hard drives and things like that, you can actually play and mix videos. Mm. Um, I've actually did a show um, with that. My first show with uh, Nisha Nache when we did the mix and had the 20 foot by 20 foot LED screens and I was playing videos. All that was being controlled from my DJ controller. Hmm. Yeah, and that's unique that you were bringing that up. I was talking to, uh, speaking of the unicorns are real, they're doing a 2000s party for the Detroit is Different Festival and they were like, we want videos, we want videos, we want videos. And I was like, okay, we just got to make sure that your DJ is aware of that. And you have other variables that go into that because a DJ, a, gr- a great DJ is also responding to the crowd. Yes. And it's hard to kind of go in with a preset playlist of like, okay. You know, I'm going to come in with that chingy right there. Right, then, right, you know, right, right. Yeah, you, you got to have some you talent. Know. You got to be able to you read know. the room. So, so yeah, that's good to know that media device. And I may actually be using this episode as a point of reference to some of the DJs. Like, all right, this is something that you may need to get your hands on and know how to use for what you all want with the experience and then tie this in. Definitely. Definitely. To and, to the and, and you can bring something to the table for a lot of these artists. Like if you a DJ and you are looking to get involved in the touring end of things, you know, get creative with your stuff and, and, and present to that artist how you just made this fantastic 20 minute set of his music and what you guys are able to do on the fly as opposed to somebody just, hey, yeah, push play on my CD or Go, yeah, you know, it makes it more interactive. Yeah. So that kind of bounces it back to me. Another piece of equipment that I think is very much 
like a, a, a favorite staple of mine uh, nowadays when I think of like what I roll out with and and like, where is it at? What, where, where am I going to do? So, you know, I do the podcasting along with the podcasting. I am big now into expanding into video. And that's some of the things that you're expanding into as well. But the right tripod is, mm. <laughs> is very, very important. Some one of the last things that I used to think about when it comes to some of the things like video is like tripod. But I'm gonna even go as far as to say speaker stands and cases for speakers, right. and different things like that. Right. Like sometimes the protective gear, and you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, like, damn, that that case costs, you know, it's like the speaker costs, you know, this much, or the mixer costs six hundred dollars, and the case for the mixer they want two hundred dollars right. for. So right. it's like, am I really gonna buy that? Yeah, it's probably something to think about. It's probably something to think about. Casing, uh, stands, uh, especially when it comes to tripods, when it comes to boom stands. A lot of this can preserve your equipment to the extent where you really, really, really will be keeping it for years to come. Right. Great gear, if you spend that money on great gear, you will have for a long time. And some of us have bought some of that great gear. We have it to this day. I have some stuff that I bought, you know, 2002, 2003. Yeah. yeah. And it's still around because it was great gear. Yeah. You know, and when you keep that gear around and you can still use it, nothing's better than that. You want to protect it at all costs. You make that investment, you got to make that investment for it to stay around. Mm-hmm. And when, when you also talk about like it staying around and, and the breakdown and all of that stuff, uh, this kind of goes in that same vein, but also how you use equipment and who's using it with you. Um, I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you probably are a lot like me and P where you do a lot of things yourself. So when the bigger production comes, you're trusting other people to come and work some of your equipment uh, or you're trusting your setup to kind of be there for itself. Right. So that also kind of comes into the upkeep of like how you keep your cords and how you can like block things off. Um, having the, having a more presentable way of putting things up will help you with that. Yeah. Now, can you do a show where you don't have speakers on stands where you have speakers, you know, on, on crates on the floor. or like on the floor? Yeah, you can. But do people respond to the speaker on a stand a whole lot differently than they respond to a speaker on the floor or like on a crate or on a chair or something? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's a reason why people have stands. It's a reason why speakers are elevated, you know? Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like a, a no-brainer in a sense sometimes. But, I mean, we've all been there where you buy that gear and then they're like, hey, do you want to add this item? And you're like, Psh, I barely got enough for the gear, so I definitely can't add the item. Think about it. I, I can't tell you how much I think I would have so much gear that I love if I'd have kept more, if I'd have kept better care of it when I purchased it instead of just thinking like the most important thing is getting the mixer as opposed to thinking of the mixer upkeep, how you right. keep a mixer. Uh, we've all been there before when it comes to buying things like that. Now, to get more specific, and nowadays also, and you touched on it a little bit. Software is big too. Um, that's 
that's one thing I wanted to um, get into before we closed with this. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, we have new tools. Like, when we think of tools, we think of things that we hold in our hands and actually do some work with. But now we have these computers in our hands, cell phones. Mm-hmm. We have apps that can do damn near everything it is that you need to get done now. I mean, you can make beats on an app. You can record on an app. I mean, you can do your album cover on an app. You can do videos on an app. What are some of your favorite apps that you mess with right now? Okay, so when it comes to production, uh, Adobe just added a, a an app you can use on your phone. I'm still like old school with Adobe, but I am still a big Adobe user and I just have the whole Adobe suite. Okay. Um, you know, for years I was like a lot of people, it's like, let me bootleg it and let me get it and let me get it. When they switch to the subscription, it's just worth it. Right, uh, right, think, right. Um, you know, I definitely think it's, uh, it's worth it. Um, so getting the... Getting the Adobe Suite is a uh, not even a sunken cost. That's a cost worth spending if you plan on using it because having full access to it is something that will be needed. And if you're a creative, you can work around it and work magic and work wonders. Uh, that's one. Uh, another one that I'm big into is almost like there are apps connected to some of those suites. So the Red Giant Suite connects into my Adobe Premiere. And the Red Giant Suite, when it comes to color correction and uh, video syncing and green screening, it's helped save my life for helping some of the things that I do with video. And what's the name of that again? The Red Giant Suite. The The Red Red Giant Giant Suite. Suite. So go to redgiant.com. I've been a user there. It's worth it. It, And when I say this, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And you can make some razzle-dazzle and make some real cool things. Uh, You would be surprised. Here's something I want to point out for people that may have over the years looked into some of these softwares and things, and they see these $700 price tags and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they know that a lot of the business behind that has changed now. They are offering subscriptions to yes. be able to use these $700 suites for like $5 a month, for like $7, $10, a month. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse anymore. Yeah, and, and join them. Join them. My Adobe cost me $50 a month. Uh so, but that's, I know, mean, that's some mage. It. It's more, it's, it's more it. than worth it. It's, it, worth it's more than and worth when it. When I say this, if you're creative and you need that Adobe suite and you're not in school or whatever, you know, go on and pay it because you will earn your money back. And if you just bounce around in that Adobe suite, I can't tell you how many people sometimes come up to me and say, Hey, do you know how to do this in Premiere? Or, hey, do you know how to do this in here? Or, you know, it, you can learn so much in the tutorials online. Like you say, coupled with those tools, you can, it can be bountiful. Uh, I mentioned the waves, waves, plugins, uh, waves, plugins, man, I, I lean on those. You know, and for years I was trying to get the free version of those, but now I just buy them 
You know, right. you, you go in, you buy them. There are different sales. That's the other thing. You know, generally around, you know, Cyber Monday or holidays. Holidays. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. You can get a lot of what you need if you have the the right computer uh, packages for software, which kind of goes back to also what type of nowadays smartphone or computer are you working with too? Because you do need something that is capable of pushing what you need. Right. Uh, you can get right. some of that great software and then your computer's crashing every two seconds. Always check the specs. Yeah. Always check the specs and make sure it's compatible to what you're already working with. I, I just want to remind everybody, you know, we done talked about a lot of great things. They are tools. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do the job for you. Yeah. So I've had my times where I've went and I sp- spent money grabbing all the toys and them toys sat there for six months. Oh, we we all had, not six months. <laughs> Sometimes I've gotten a toy and you never even get around to using it. Right. You and know? it go outdated. <laughs> yeah, it and goes outdated or yeah, you, you've it. never, you know. Right. Because that's the other thing when it comes to buying new gear, like... You need the capacity to sit down and work it because when you get that job or you working on something creative and you know you need it done, are you thinking to yourself, okay, do I want to work the corners and figure out how to use this new version of software X or do I want to stick to what I know? Right, right. And oftentimes we'll stick to what we know. You know, you have to allow yourself the capacity to begin to move in like uh, something we didn't even touch on it, but the Mevo. It's a right. classic example. I right. saw what you were doing with it, and I'm like, I got to get one. Got one, and I've only used it like three times as of now. Right. You know, so it's going to be one of those things where I need to push myself to the edge to really start using the software so I trust myself with the exactly. software so that I can move on it. And that's a great tool that the software really makes that tool what it is. Right, right. But if you don't know how to use it, yeah, I mean, you might as well be using your... Um, your cell phone. Yeah, your cell phone. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Yeah, you got to know how to use it. Great episode, bro. Thank you, thank you. And uh, speaking of which, how do people get in contact with you? Man, y'all can holler at me on Facebook, Uncle P313, where I kick regular knowledge. And um, on Instagram, you can find me at Detroit Rap. I just got back on my Twitter getting that back started, at Uncle P. Okay, and you all know Detroit is different.net, Detroit is different.net, Detroit is different.net. Hope to see you out at the festival at the end of October. We're going to have fun. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different After Dark Podcast Network. Join us October 24th through October 27th at the Andy Arts, 3000 Finkel Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, at the inaugural Detroit is Different Festival. The collage of sound, sight, taste, feel, and scent of Detroit from all walks of life. Join Piper Carter, Frida Sampson, Unicorns Are Real, Josh Adams, The New Kids, Group Text, Jennifer Crawford, Care Michigan, Audra Carson, My Natural Hair, Cornbread and Caviar, Kari Frazier, Sterling Tolls, 
Boldy James, and more artists. The Detroit is Different Festival provides you the rare opportunity to witness, experience, and familiarize yourself with the diverse subcultures that make Detroit different. Experience this all for 50 bucks. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com and get your tickets today.